Hello and welcome to Docupied, an intellectual podcast for the chosen ones. I'm your host, Brandon, otherwise known as DocPay. Just a quick review for new listeners out there. I'm a long-time anime and manga fan. I usually host it myself, but I bring on some guest co-hosts every so often. And episodes come out whenever I get a chance to make them. On today's agenda, we have... Well, the winter season uh, just recently started. We're two or three episodes into every show now, so I figured it's a perfect chance to hit on my first impressions of all the new shows. And I'm going to be recommending a great manga to you later, so make sure you listen for that. First thing I wanted to mention today was actually the Steins Gate Zero visual novel was released by P-Cube uh, actually a little while ago now. Um, I have the Vita version. Um, actually, I have the Japanese version, and I played through a bit of it before, but uh, long story short, I was trying to do a playthrough of the original again to lead into it, and I just got distracted, so I never finished my second, my like new playthrough of the original Steins Gate visual novel, so I didn't really get to do much, uh, get really far into Steins Gate Zero, because I wanted to have it all really fresh. Um, so I've kind of started playing it again, but again, things keep distracting me, like new winter season, new job, moved, all kinds of nonsense. So anyway, just wanted to give that a shout that the visual novel is out. You can pick it up in English officially now, so make sure you do that if you're interested. Since, you know, I named the podcast Docupied, my nickname is DocPay, and my little catchphrase thing is all from Steins Gate. So yeah, I uh, quite like that series. So that actually leads pretty well into the first show I'll talk about for winter. Here's a general spoiler warning for going forward. If you haven't watched any of these shows, I don't think I'm going to be spoiling anything particular because um, it's just a first impression. So it's the same thing you would get if you watched the first couple of episodes. Uh, I'm not really going to spoil any big plot points or anything like that because well there's only two or three episodes for all of these so but i figured you deserve a warning just in case i do want to note that all but one of these series is available for legal streaming via either crunchyroll or anime strike amazon's new uh, premium anime channel and the last one will be available via netflix at the end of the season all right first show i'm going to talk about is chaos child the most recent science adventure visual novel adaptation. They're typically great visual novels, but we've had some, uh, let's just say, mixed adaptations so far. Um, you know, the Chaos Head anime was a disaster if there are people who even acknowledge that it exists, which I don't, because it didn't. But um, Chaos Child is kind of a sequel to it. Uh, so I'm guessing a lot of... Uh, secondary fans were pretty put off um, from Gas Child initially, but give it a chance, I'd say. Science adventure stuff—they're they're always worth giving a chance, I think. That said, I'm I'm not sure if one core is enough to really do this story proper justice. Um, so I'm really just gonna play the wait and see game. It's going well so far, I think, and the Chaos Head recap, like episode zero thing, was really nice, and I'm really glad they did that. So for people who never watched the anime that didn't exist, or people who didn't get to play the game, which hasn't been officially released in the West ever, so there's only the fan patch, the fan translation patch, this episode zero was a good way to kind of uh, 
kick the background of the story to the viewer without having to have them sit through hours and hours of content first. I never did get to play the visual novel for this, even though I own it and all pretty much all the other science adventure visual novels. Uh, I have them either digitally on my Vita, no, all just digital. And then the Western releases, I have the physical versions. But I'm really hoping that, you know, we get an English release of it at some point. Looking at you, P-Cube. Anyway, related, I've invited Steiner back for a future episode so we can talk about all the new projects he's working on that are finally public knowledge. Oh, that's good. Anyway, back to Chaos Child. So I actually don't have a whole ton to say about Chaos Child itself, I guess. The mystery is interesting. Uh, the characters seem pretty good. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot you can kind of say based on the very beginning, but it's very science adventure. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I'd say if you were interested in or liked any of the other science adventure stuff, just give it a shot. You, you know, really, it can't hurt. Next series is Yamishibai Season 4. So I've loved this show uh, from the start. I've seen the previous three seasons and really enjoyed it. But this season's just weird um, and really disappointing, I think, for me. The whatever... There are a lot of little changes, I think. Like, I don't know, I'm just really not liking this new narrator um, or the format or the stories. The stories, they're just... They've been really not compelling or scary at all so far. Uh, the first season had some really great ones, and this is just, eh, I can't bring myself to care. Um, it feels like there's basically no animation at all anymore either, and they've actually, they're starting to use some actual film for parts of it. It's just a weird transition where like, oh, hold on, that's, you know, actual film, that's people. So that was kind of surprising. I, I really hope the whole season isn't like this, because if it is, I really have no desire to continue, which is sad because I loved the first uh, the first season and I enjoyed the second and third, albeit not quite as much as the first. I guess we'll see. I, I mean, geez. Now I've got uh, the next two series are basically video game adaptations, so I figured I'd lump them together for people interested. Uh, first one I'm going to talk about is Grand Blue Fantasy, the animation. Now, I know technically only the first two episodes aired uh, as a special with the rest to follow in spring, but, you know, I figure they aired so I can cover them. And there's some rumors about the show, whether, whether it'll be 48 episodes long or it's, you know, it's already been delayed once, so I, <laughs> I really don't know how they'll maintain that level of quality for 48 episodes because you can tell a lot of uh, what went into the animation and the artwork itself. They're trying to really um, mimic the game style, but that just really feels like it's going to give them production issues for more than a season, or even for just the season itself, like one core. So we'll see. Um, I'm definitely going to watch it. I, mobile games are just... I've had bad experiences with uh, Love Live, School Idol Festival, and uh, JoJo Stardust shooters, and their gotcha and all of that, and the grind, the gotcha, and just Japanese mobile games, and even Western mobile games are also the worst, but Japanese mobile games can tend to be the worst, so I have sworn off playing them. <laughs> so long story short, I haven't played the game, but I'll watch the anime, of course. It really feels like a classic kind of video game fantasy adventure story, um, just the setup for it, but the artwork is great. 
the animation solid really nice and the character designs have always been great you know if you pay attention at all to japanese uh, twitter or pixiv or anything like that get flooded with fan art and you know the official designs are great as they are but the fans really latch onto it and i've seen tons and tons of artwork of the series for ages now so i've known what a lot of the characters look like honestly there's not much to dislike about it aside from i don't know maybe it being pretty by the book so far but you know i'll give it some room to grow into something kind of unique on its own you know the rest of it it'll start airing in spring so keep an eye out for that and check out the first two episodes now if you're interested then hey you got some time Uh, if not then you can just ignore it in spring the next uh, other video game uh, adaptation is chain chronicle so i have not played the games i did watch the ova from before but i don't play a lot of japanese rpgs it's just never been a huge thing for me um i know that feels like sacrilege with a lot of fans who love them but i i don't really play a lot of them i'd rather just read a summary of the story (laughs) and the characters and things like that to be honest with you that would i think be a a better way for me to digest the kind of story just give me a book that give me a book and i'll read it but or an anime and i'll watch it so anyway i watched the first movie which is identical to the first four episodes of the tv version uh which is currently as of this recording up to episode three and there will be three movies that will air between now um i think one of them aired last week or the on the 18th and the final movie airs uh february 11th only the first one is up on crunchyroll so i watched that I will probably just watch the movie versions because I don't really need uh, to follow it week by week. I'll just, once they drop the next two movies, I'll watch them then. No reason to split it up for me. But in terms of the actual movies themselves, the art and animation, you know, are both really nice. Um, and there's a great supporting soundtrack. Uh, it really fits the the mood, the story, the characters. It, it's a good it's a good soundtrack. I'd listen to it. And I really like the... Uh, the setup of the story where the hero loses to the big bad and they have to deal with uh, the fallout. But other than that, you know, it's generic fantasy RPG in terms of characters and plot progression, you know, etc. You can also understand it without having played the game, like me. But, you know, I definitely feel like I've missed out on all of the background information and setup and established character personalities and world building all of that stuff you miss out on a lot of that by jumping in at the movie so if you can deal with that it's still an interesting start um you know if you really like have to know that stuff just go look up summaries read plot summaries read descriptions whatever that'll that'll catch you up sufficiently i think if you're not okay with that find the game (laughs) and try playing that i guess all right the next three shows i'm going to talk about are slice of life series uh, with the first one being Interviews with Monster Girls. Um, I know it's based on a manga, which uh, I have not read, but this has never been really my kind of area of interest, so it's not surprising that I never bothered to read it. I've known about it, of course, but I was never interested to read it. And now watching the anime, I'm probably not going to read it anyway. Um, the anime adaptation, it's it's fairly cute. Um, and I enjoy the Monster Girl twist as much as anyone else. I think a lot of the genres that we've run into, like Harem or, or Slice of Life or Yashiki or just all that other stuff, definitely get an 
interesting kind of kick in the butt when they add in monster girls so i tend to give them a chance but this series i think otherwise it's kind of just a normal slice of life show um there's some clever writing and jokes and the girls have relatable problems and they're realistically characterized but i'm really not sure how much i'll watch it's it's not exactly the kind of show i go out of my way to watch but you know if that's a thing for you you know go for it in a very similar vein the next series is gabriel dropout so it's actually a fairly similar description to the last show in that it's fairly cute with a twist on the usual cute girls doing cute things trope by having the main girls be angels and demons with kind of uncharacteristic personalities for angels and demons um i think they make a decent use of the quirk for i don't know moderately amusing situations and jokes it's there are times when it works fairly well and I, I chuckle, but again, I'm really not sure how much I'll keep watching of it. They're non-offensive. If you like those slice of life with cute girls doing cute things, then both of these shows are perfectly fine to watch. Gabrielle Dropout is the latest series from Dolgarkobo, which is historically known for doing cute girls doing cute things shows. So it's kind of more of that. If that's your thing, check it out. The next show I'm going to talk about is Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. It's this season's Kyoani show, and as you would expect from Kyoto Animation, the animation is solid, the artwork is great, um, the designs are cute, and there's pretty competent writing so far. It's based on a manga, so this is an adaptation, but there's a good mix of humor, hints of seriousness, and then sudden, like, really well-animated action sequences with the dragons, of course. And just overall adorable characters. Um, I'll keep watching, but it's not really my bag, so I'm not expecting much out of it. So we'll see what happens. Next show is Saga of Tanya the Evil. Now, <laughs> okay, so tell me, seriously, why didn't they lead with the second episode? I mean, I enjoyed the first one, but I think a lot of people nearly wrote it off after that first one it, just because i thought it was just like oh look look how evil this young girl in a nazi-esque military type situation is ah there's nothing interesting about this but as it turns out it's actually an isekai series yeah who'd have thunk so anyway the series focuses on a conflict between a ruthless arrogant narcissist and a petty spiteful asshole of a god the god's aim is to force the guy to believe and have faith in God. While Tanya, as her name is now, her goal, well, his goal, is to prove that uh, he, or she now, uh, can get by in a life without God and still live a cushy life. So that's kind of the main conflict of the story that they set up within the second episode. But seriously, why didn't they start with that? It explains a lot of what went on in the first episode and really gives it a lot of depth that it didn't have which a lot of people thought man this looks stupid it doesn't have any depth and it doesn't have this or that and all of that gets explained away in the second episode so i don't i don't know this show might be the surprise of the season for me so i'm definitely going to keep watching speaking of surprises the next series surprised me as well but in a completely different way and that is scum's wish now, it, like I said, it surprised me because, I mean, really, I tend not to enjoy high school romance series for a lot of reasons. Um, and 
fair warning, this series is nothing like other Japanese romance series. You know, they tend to focus on things like pure love and purity and and for the most part they really just tell the story of until like this main couple becomes you know actually a couple they get together that's really where the stories tend to just end so you'll often see series that really completely skip the actual relationship part of the story or of just romance in favor of that idealized having a crush and then boom now they're together scum's wish is nothing of that sort at all uh, our main couple in the story both love someone else who is impossible for them and they're using each other to vent and they're using each other as substitutes both of them love someone older and the show really explores that I don't know, perceived lack of control over their own feelings that they have that you know i think a lot of adolescents have and people who have been through that completely understand it's it's overall a very somber look at kind of the messiness of adolescence and it's really it's not the typical idealized version of it that you see so often jumping to something completely different the next series is onihei it's the first production from studio m2 a new studio founded by maso maruyama who was the co-founder of Madhouse and is the founder and current, I believe, president of MAPPA, Studio MAPPA. So, you know, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this because I love um, MAPPA's works and I think Moriyama is a really great producer. And I've been a fan of Mariyama for quite a while. I actually got to uh, meet and talk to him at Otakon uh, many years ago. He goes to Otakon every year and holds a panel and it was quite surprising that he was in a small room, there was a small turnout, and people just didn't know who he was, I think, for the most part. Conventions tend not to do a good job of advertising um, or marketing for their big uh, Japanese insider guests that aren't like voice actors or singers or things like that. Um, so when you get someone like Mariyama, who has a huge pedigree within the industry, they list him in the directory without actually putting any kind of appending any information to who he is like oh you know the guy who founded madhouse and mappa and has worked on all these things that you all love so you know whatever that was pretty sad but it gave the people there a chance to really talk a lot more uh, closely with the guy onihei back to onihei it's a pretty interesting episodic story so far about a policeman from the late edo period so you can kind of imagine the setting and the characters that are associated with that um, each story so far has featured some kind of, I'd say like a fall from grace almost. And it really deals with forcing others to come to terms with that like dark reality of the president, but not president. <laughs> I'm just projecting now the dark reality of the present. It's, it's dark, it's gritty. Um, the designs are realistic and I think the storytelling you know, it's quite predictable so far, and it really feels like um, things like I've heard before, read before, seen before, but it's based on a novel from the 60s to the 80s or 90s or whatever, so it's, so the source material is a lot older, which means there's been a million adaptations of this uh, up until today, so, you know, of course it feels like, oh, I've heard that kind of story before, because this was one of the early stories to actually do those things. Definitely worth checking out. Onihei is streaming on Amazon's new Anime Strike channel, which, uh, 
I could talk about that for a while, but suffice it to say, I don't know that it's worth paying an extra subscription on top of uh, Amazon Prime for just the content that uh, the exclusive content under Anime Strike. I I don't know that it's worth it for anyone. Um, that would be this season, Scum's Wish and Onihei. Those are the uh, exclusives currently airing for them, but eh, I'll save that for another time, I guess. Next series is Yomushi Petal, New Generation. You know, this is the third season, so if you don't know what Yoa Petal is, well, it's a kind of hot-blooded action series about road racing, biking. You know, if you haven't seen it yet, then this is not the place to jump in. Um, but if you have, yeah, absolutely, it's back. <laughs> and I'm sure there's plenty of people happy about that. If you enjoyed the first two seasons, well, now there's more. Um, I tend not to like a lot of the older sports series, uh, but there have been several good ones in recent years that tend to focus on more realistic depictions of the sports and the players and things like that. But I still need to watch the uh, Yo Pedal movie. I haven't gotten around to it. It's on CR, but I just I haven't seen it yet. So I really should do that. The next two series are some of the better comedies of the season. Uh, the first one being Konosuba Season 2. Well, uh, I mean, the first season came as almost a complete surprise for me because I really didn't expect to enjoy it at all, but, you know, I did. It's got a really quirky, self-deprecating sense of humor with a bunch of, well, they're essentially petty, selfish assholes for characters. Um, and it really has a similar vein of humor as Gintama, which I'm going to talk about next. And... That is my favorite long-running shonen series. But Konosuba's humor, I think, really works well because it's so uh, self-aware of what its characters are and where its story goes. And the first season is 10 episodes, and the second season, I believe, will also be short. So there's really nothing holding you back watching it. If the humor's not your style, if you don't like it, then obviously don't bother. But give it a shot, see if you like it or not. You know, I think it's pretty funny. So I brought up Gintama. And uh, speaking of which, let's talk about Gintama's Glorious Return to late night TV now. So the uh, this is the first season of Gintama to air in the late night slot. And we got a pretty good fourth wall breaking uh, little segment at the start that they talk about that. And that was pretty funny. That said, while I've always enjoyed those kind of brief action arcs, uh, I always thought the real backbone of the series was the comedy. Um... And they, they even skipped a couple comedy chapters to make sure they fit the whole uh, Shogun assassination arc in the runtime that they were given before in the last uh, set of episodes. So, you know, that means we're right back into it with more serious action Gintama and not wacky hijinks Gintama. The Love Potion arc actually came out bundled with the manga, and that was great. You know, it was funny in the manga, but I think Gintama's always funnier in the anime version for the majority of chapters, I think. Everything just gets improved. The voice acting, the animation, the fourth wall breaking, the music can't go wrong. Or it hasn't gone wrong yet, I think. The love potion arc was just classic Gintama, so that was great. Um, this new season, we're continuing where we left off. So if you've seen the previous 316 episodes, go ahead and jump right in with the rest of us. If you haven't, you have some work to do, and you should, because it's totally worth it. The last three series I'm going to talk about for the season, uh, which I'm sure you can decipher what they were, 
based on what I haven't talked about yet. But these were my, uh, I think, most highly anticipated series of the season, uh, so I saved them for last. The first of which is Akka, 13 Territory Inspection Department. I would say this series was probably my most anticipated new show of the season, and, you know, with plenty of good reason, of course. It's based on a manga by Natsume Ono, the author of House of Five Leaves, Ristorante, Paradiso, Not Simple. Um, It's being adapted by Madhouse, with director uh, Natsume Shingo at the helm, and he is of One Punch Man and Space Dandy fame. Does a show about bureaucracy, conflict, loyalty, hidden agendas, and tension brewing under the surface sound like your thing? Well, I mean, probably not, but (laughs) you should give this show a try anyway. I'd say it's a perfect strike for me, though, and really, the show really nails the atmosphere with this slow, deliberate pace and a beautiful, colorful world as a backdrop, supported by really nice instrumental jazz. You know, I love this show already, and the manga is complete, so I think it has a real chance to tell a solid, compelling story from start to finish. The next of my most anticipated series is Little Witch Academia, the series no one ever thought we'd get, but base trigger they delivered. Um, I loved the original short film that they produced for Anime Mirai, and you know, of course, I pledged support for the Kickstarter of the sequel. Um, I've also bought the Toho Blu-ray release for it. You know, it had another art book and a box holder thing. What do we call those? It's art box? Yeah, I guess an art box. And, you know, the release even included the first movie, plus all the making of extras and whatever, so I, I bought it. Uh, even though I already have the Blu-ray that they gave me for the Kickstarter. And actually, just last weekend, I rewatched both of the original uh, films with one of my friends who'd never seen it. They're comfy, magical, whimsical, and just really a ton of fun to watch. I was a tad concerned about how they'd adapt it into a full TV series, but up to episode 3, they've done a fantastic job so far in it, including, I'd say, some very welcome adjustments to certain aspects of the original, like Diana's character or Ursula being more prominent, with, I think, better foreshadowing and... There's lots more lore and world building going on because they have more than just 30 minutes to make a short film. I think the only real downside right now for people is is that Netflix thinks its subscribers aren't interested in watching anything weekly, you know, which admittedly might be true for normals. But honestly, anime fans tend to operate differently in terms of consumption of their media. I would just advise you that if you are watching it right now, make sure you submit uh, feedback to Netflix about the situation and that you rewatch it or replay it in the background, what do you ha- whatever you have to do once it airs on Netflix to just show support for the show. You know, that's what I'm going to do. And I'd love to be able to buy the Blu-rays for it because I own the Blu-rays for the original short films. So just support it where you can. That's all I'll say on that. I'm sure me and everyone else on the, uh, subject of Netflix and their licensing practices have ranted enough to make all of you sick of hearing it. And I actually saved the best for last. The last show I'm going to talk about for this episode is Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju. Tsukeroku Futatabihen. The second season to my anime of the year last year, and it's finally here. We waited an entire year for this, 
and I, you know, honestly, I think it's already a top contender for anime of the year this year too. Uh, speaking of which, I'll be doing a year wrap-up episode with my favorite top ten anime series of 2016, and another episode with my uh, top ten favorite English manga releases in 2016 in the near future. Uh, so you can, you know, shut all over my taste then. For a short background on my history with this series. You know, I hadn't actually read the manga or seen the uh, OVA before uh, the first season aired, and Rakugo wasn't on my radar last winter whatsoever, at all, remotely. I decided to watch the the first 45-minute long episode uh, by complete chance, and I was completely blown away, just utterly blown away at how good it was. I, I think... Uh, Rakugo is just this masterpiece of storytelling that really elevates itself above just mere entertainment. And just like the Rakugo it uses as a backdrop, it's a really compelling drama told using an old-fashioned type of live storytelling as a vehicle for our uh, very well-written characters to express themselves. It would be hard to top the first season, honestly, but episode 3 just recently aired, and I'd say it's already one of the best single episodes of anime this year and of course it's only winter the winter season so in my opinion Nakugo has done it yet again i understand that the subject matter and genre might not be of interest to some people if you haven't watched the first season yet absolutely give it a shot just know that the first season is largely a flashback focusing on the history that builds up to the start of where we come into the story, and season two details from then on. But in short, I but in short, I just I fucking love this series and I wish more people would watch it. That about wraps up my winter twenty seventeen anime season first impressions. If I skipped any series that you were interested in or anything like that, well, it's probably because I wasn't interested in it. Um, If there's anything you want to know about that I didn't talk about, ask me on Twitter and I'll let you know. And if you were curious, because I haven't talked about the fall season at all on the podcast and just skipped right over it, I will go back and talk about fall series in the next two Docupied episodes. So look forward to that, or back to that, or something. But I need to wrap up fall before I can talk about my overall 2016 favorites. So I will do those next, and after that will be uh, my top 10 favorites lists. So it's time to finish this episode off with a manga recommendation. That would be Wandering Island by Kenji Tsuruta, published by Dark Horse. Kenji Tsuruta is an elusive author, who rarely actually publishes anything, and he writes very slowly when he does, um, mostly because of his other job as a sci-fi novel illustrator, but he's likely most well-known in the West for um, being the artist of Skycrawlers, and I believe this is only his second work to get an English release, uh, Wandering Island, I mean. Um, You may or more likely haven't heard of the first one, Spirit of Wonder. They were published nearly two decades ago now, but it did get an anime adaptation, so maybe you do know it. He's written beautifully illustrated and meticulously detailed short stories that I love to death, as he's he's one of my other favorite manga authors. I mean, no, seriously. I don't actually say that about everyone, but 
you know, of course, I'm featuring works by my favorites to spotlight in the podcast. So you just hear me say, this is one of my other favorite authors. But it is true. Those are my favorites. So before I dive into what makes Wandering Island so great, let me just say I want the rest of his works to get licensed and published in English as well. They're all short, with four volumes being the longest. My favorite of his works is actually Eminon, the Wandering Eminon and Memories of Eminon series, uh, which he actually didn't write, he just does the art for, but I digress. Back to Wandering Island. Wandering Island is a classic tale of exploration and mystery, with the titular Wandering Island, called Electric Island, being the source of main character Mikura Amelia's obsession and motivation. She owns and operates her own delivery service in the Izu and Ogasawara Islands area. If you have an idea where that is, it's southern Japan. The Ryukyu Island splits off towards China and Korea in that direction. These are the other way, and they're fairly isolated. Um, in the story, her grandfather passes away and leaves her a package addressed to Electric Island, which is an elusive, mysterious island of myth that supposedly circumnavigates the world. So it's an island that travels, <laughs> and it's never in the same spot for long. The first volume, which is all that's released right now, deals with establishing the wonderfully detailed world, the characters, and particularly Mikura herself, and her hunt for information about this mysterious island. The artwork is standout, traditional of all of Kenji Suruta's work. It's beautiful, detailed, and everything you'd expect from him. He really understands how to present a story using just the art, you know, not words or narration. He lets the artwork speak for itself often, and there are plenty of scenes without any dialogue at all, where everything is perfectly relayed through expression and detail alone. The characters are interesting, um, but they're lighthearted and there's a feeling of adventure uh, just under the surface of everything that's going on. It's a very charming story with a charming main character and that you really can't help but get engrossed in. There's only a single volume of it that I mentioned that's released anywhere, Japan too, and this is mainly because Tsuruta is notoriously slow to actually publish anything. Um, so it's, it's hard to say if or when we'll get more of this, but it is ongoing, so it's not like it's finished, technically. Um, that said, it's 100% completely worth it for just the first volume alone. If, even if we never get any more of it, it can be enjoyed without that continuation. Dark Horse did an amazing job with the paperback release as well. Um, it's got these nice flaps where the uh, cover art wraps around, and if you spread it all out, it opens up to this entire uh, full-color uh, cover artwork, and it's really amazing. And at the end of the volume, there is an afterword with a ton of useful information in the book that describes a lot of the background and history of the area and the islands, the differences uh, between the setting that it uses and places like the Ryukyu Islands, why while it's so close to Tokyo, it's such a special area. There's just tons and tons of really good notes about things like the setting and the planes and just context to really enrich in the story. I always like it when Western publishers do a really good job with something I love. So seriously, buy this manga, 
from Dark Horse, so they'll license more Kenji Tsuruta works. He has other really great series, and Western fans deserve an English language release as well. Well, that's it for my recommendation for Wandering Island by Kenji Tsuruta, but I do actually have an update for another author that I really love, which is Mizu Asato. He is starting a new series in Shonen Jump Plus uh, next week called Aharen-san wa Hakarenai, and I just wanted to give that a shout out um, because he's being published in Jump. He's a Jump author now. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so congratulations to that. And completely related, I actually got an email from a former co-worker at Pony Canyon that Mizu Asato wants to send me a copy of his latest release from Winter Comic at C91. Yeah, for real. So in a month or so when that arrives, I, you know, I'm going to go crazy and post pictures of it and all that fun stuff. You know, he was super friendly when I met him at C90 in summer before I left Japan. And, you know, I've done some work on Denki Guy Blu-ray release, uh, English release for Pony Canyon and whatever. So he knows I'm also a huge fan. I own everything he's published. And he was just so friendly when I met him. So this was really cool, really generous and really nice of him to do. I can't believe he even thought remembered me and even going as far to send me a copy of his release from winter comic at that's just no one does that that's amazing so i will keep supporting his work and hopefully one day we'll get an english language release for something of his uh i just i cannot wait i think i've rambled on long enough for one episode so thank you all for listening make sure you follow me on twitter at i am doc pay for updates uh follow me on soundcloud of course and i'll catch you next time